A Tiny Revolution features adults having adult conversations, which means that adult language is probably going to be present, just so you know. Hey friends, you're listening to A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary people living revolutionary lives. My name is Kevin Garcia. Welcome to episode 63. Y'all, I just, so Rob Bell, and not that I'm trying to compare myself to Rob Bell or anything, but he just celebrated his 200th episode ever, which is just so crazy to me. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have 200 episodes. I'm going to have 100 episodes in, I don't know, y'all do the math. I don't really know how many. Comment below. Comment on the on the blog. Tell me how many episodes we have until we get to 100 episodes. <laughs> oh my gosh, that'd be so funny. But honestly, I've got big dreams for actually doing a live show in Nashville that's live with like Science Mike and Rachel Held Evans and my friend Alex G. She doesn't know that I want her to do this. So Alex, if you're listening, let me know if you're interested, okay? Um, anyways, so yeah. Big dreams, big things coming out soon. Um, I've got a new video coming out tomorrow on the YouTube, so if you're listening to this on the day it comes out on June 18th, uh, go listen to a little bit of Spanish worship on the YouTube channel. It's going to be dope. Other announcement I've got for you, Wild Goose Festival is in 24 days from today, July 12th through the 15th in Hot Springs, North Carolina. I'm going to be doing four different things while I'm there, um, a couple panels, a workshop, and a live podcast recording with Failed Missionary, which, by the way, if you haven't listened to that, go over to failedmissionary.com or listen to it in your uh, iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to your podcasts. Go download that. Go listen to it. It is incredible. We have 35,000 listens, and we're not even into episode like four yet. It's incredible. So, uh, yeah, that's all for that. Today, I've got somebody incredible on the podcast. She is a return guest and actually is the only return guest to the podcast, which I am loving, living for. It's going to be incredible. Um, but it's my friend Sue Ann Shaw. And if you have never heard uh, of Sue Ann Shaw, if you've never heard the interview I've had with Sue Ann Shaw, you've probably heard me quote her literally almost every other episode because... <laughs> She is one of the wisest people I know, and also totally weird, and totally cool, and totally fun. She's such a sister to me, and I'm so glad that she decided to come to Atlanta, Georgia. Not only did we bebop up to uh, a wedding in Chattanooga, but we also hung out, played music, went shopping, and did a whole bunch of other cool stuff. So you'll see that video coming out probably late next week. But right now, we're here to talk about something really important, um, and it's the release of Sue Ann's new album that's happening this week. It's called A Liturgy for the Perseverance of the Saints. It's an album full of hymns sung by a queer woman, and it is so good, guys. It's so good. Um, but a little about Sue Ann, if you didn't know about her. Sue Ann Shaw is a Taiwanese-American multidisciplinary artist working predominantly through the mediums of word, music, and film. Themes in her work explore spirituality, identity, race, gender, and sexuality. In addition to her own creative works, Sue Ann is, uh, you know, just a normal, everyday kind of girl. She enjoys swimming, cycling, cooking, and let me tell you what, honey, she is such a good cook. Um, and creating safe and creative spaces to explore cross-cultural tensions, spirituality, and relational significance. She has a BBA in music business with a production emphasis from Belmont University, as well as a minor in Chinese, also from Belmont University. And she's getting ready to head back to her homeland of Taiwan to take on her master's in musicology, which I am thrilled for. will miss you, but thrilled for. <laughs> Anyways, in this conversation, we talk about her album, why worship is so hard for so many queer folks, and how we can reclaim worship for ourselves. 
you are going to love this. Not to mention that um, on the front end of this podcast, she actually shares a little musical snack for all of us. Sue Ann is bringing you the special music, honey, just like on Sunday morning. Um, honey, we're about to go to church. It's going to be great. And I think this is the first musical performance we've ever had on A Tiny Revolution, which is dope. So cool. Grab yourself a smoothie, grab yourself a French press, grab yourself whatever's nearest to you, grab a friend, um, grab hold of your seat, because this is a really good ride of a conversation. So go ahead, chill, listen to my conversation with Sue Ann Shaw. Still picking up the pieces 
faces of cops and guns and bombings of innocence and evil cause when the news and noise and flowers die and you still wake up alone there is a God who knows every tear that you cry and the world is on his shoulders Age after age Heroes and warriors It gives me sight It makes me Tell me about the song you just played. Yeah. Also, real quick, hi. Thank you for being on my podcast twice. I'm so I feel so special. I think I can't. I don't think I've ever had a a repeat. A repeat guest. You're the first one. How does it feel, Woman of Steel? How does it feel? Y'all should see her face. It's very puzzled right now. I'm trying to think of a good answer. Every time Kevin calls me Woman of Steel, I'm not quite sure how to react to that. Because you're a strong woman. Yes, but strong people don't go around talking about how strong they are. They just are. I know, but then I still get to admire that strength. (laughs) That's the thing. Just because you don't talk about it doesn't mean I can't talk about it. It's true. That's why I don't say anything when you say it. (laughs) Because I'm like, it's within your right to to talk about it as much as you want. Thank you so much for empowering me to be my full self. Anytime. Um, But anyways. You're trying to lead by example. Yeah, so... If y'all ever, like, listen to my podcast, you know that I probably reference Sue Ann <laughs> in, like, a good chunk of them. I because, love being quoted. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because Sue Ann, like, she is one of my one of my dearest friends and also, like, one of the most profound thinkers, um, but also at the same time can talk about, like, the most frivolous things, which is why I love her. But we're not here to talk about frivolous things today. Today we're here to talk about your new album, which is coming out next month. Yeah, in June. In June. Yeah. Um... You know, I'll pick a date and let you know, and then we can put in that specific. I'll put date. it. In, I'll put it in at the end. Yeah. Later, I'll put it in post. Yeah. Um. But um. But for people who don't know you, do like a snapshot of your life real quick, and then we'll get into the album. Well, I want to explain the song first. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Do you want me to do that at a different point? I mean, it doesn't matter. Listen, you. I was trying to think of like structure. I was like, you could open the podcast with a song, and then I like intro it, and they're like, that was Sue Ann. Blah, 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 blah. This is Tiny Revolution with Kevin Garcia. But I'm making a lot of editing for you right now. Yeah, I'm probably not going to do that. <laughs> I'm probably going to leave all of this in, too. Kevin. <laughs> Listen, my brand is trash. I know these things about myself. You know, all the things I count them as rubbish. As bullshit. As compared or, to the gospel. Yes, with the glory of knowing Christ Jesus. Oh, my gosh. Suzanne, what's the snapshot of your life? Who are you? What are you doing? What are you about? I'm just being difficult. I know you're being <laughs> difficult. Gay, straight, doing too much. <laughs> I'm gay. I am doing too much all the time. Okay. Um, I just, but I really want to talk about the song. Like, okay, talk about the song. I'm in the mind frame because we just... Talk about the song. I'm going to kill you in your sleep. Yep. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Hit us. So the song I just played um, 
is by Sandra McCracken, who's a friend of mine from Nashville. And um, I came into the song, I heard it because it was on a live album that she did called Live Under Lights and Wires. And uh, I really love that live version. It's just like two guitars and her singing. And, um, you know, I heard it a long time ago, just once off. But in the last year, it's actually come to mean a lot to me personally mm. and um, kind of encompasses a lot of the themes that have led to the creation of this hymns album that we're talking about today. So um, she draws together all these different moments in history. So the first one is a story of these two brothers um, who there was a giant flood, um, I think, in Missi in Missouri where she grew up. And they found, you know, a little boy, you know, and they pulled him out of the water and they're like, hey, where's your brother? And he said, I was standing on his shoulders. Oh, fuck. And so that's where that line in the song comes from. Um, the sacrifices that mm -hmm. the people who have cared for us have have done, who have laid down their lives um, mm. so that we could live. And um, and so that's the first verse. And the second verse talks about um about the murder and the genocide of uh, indigenous people in this country and how we're still trying to, we still haven't made things right. And um, there's a couple places in the, in the song where I've changed some lyrics. I've updated them a little bit. She wrote this kind of around 9-11. Uh, and mm. also Sandra, um, who, you know, is, is a dear friend, is uh, a straight white woman. And so... There's some things I, I changed in the song because I wanted to fit it more into um, what I felt like I was seeing the same echoes of the same things that she was saying. So the last verse, um, you know, is originally about 9-11, hmm. you know, um, the, the, the debris, all those things. But um, I switched some of the words out because for me, when I sing that verse, I think about Ferguson. Yeah. Right, and so it's like we have almost a bookend of story. As the first verse is about these boys in Missouri, and the last verse is about um, about the deaths of. And I think like when the flowers die, mm -hmm. you know, somebody has died, and someone brings you flowers, mm -hmm. and eventually, like people go away, and they stop bringing casseroles, and the flowers die, but you still wake up alone. Yeah, there's a God who hears every tear that you cry. That knows every tear that you cry, and and the world is on his shoulders, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's you know the song which Sandra wrote, you know, probably ten over ten years ago, which had her own mm. meaning in it. I found it again like a year ago, and it started to have more meaning for me. And it's about age after age. Here, the her her line is heroes and soldiers. I changed it to heroes and warriors. Mm -hmm makes me brave yeah, and reminds me that I'm not alone, that all the struggles I'm going through, um, that there were people who were fighting a fight that feels so much like mine hundreds of years ago. And, and that's what this hymn project is almost about too. It's a, you know, the, the, the newest, the youngest song on this album is probably a hundred years old. Most of them are <laughs> casual two to 300 years old, um, written in like the 16th, 17th, 18th century. So, um, and there are people from all over with all sorts of different backgrounds, Europe, you know, people like who enslaved Africans in the United States, like, mm -hmm. you know, you can maybe like make a little list of all the things that we do or don't have in common, but, uh, what I still find 
I find myself in their in their music, and I find the thread that is throughout all of them is the is who God is and the the work that God is doing in all of us. Mm-hmm. So, the um the third verse is about Martin Luther. Hmm. Um, there's a man by the whitewashed cathedrals. He tried to pull the system through the eye of a needle. Mm. And when he stood in front of them, he. He's like, I cannot recant. The truth is truth is truth. You know, and I, you know, definitely take seriously um, my reformed theological background foundation that I continue to carry forward in the reforming work that I'm doing uh, in my life and finding meaning in the words of someone like Martin Luther, who was anti-Semitic and, mm-hmm. you know, lot racist and lots of other things. Um, but still being able to find parts of myself in the long lineage of imperfect people in Christianity yeah. who have come together in, in an attempt to continue the work of continuous reforming. So that's why I wanted to talk about the song. Because <laughs> <laughs> it does explain all these other, all these other things. All these other things. And a little bit about who I am and... Um, and what this album is about. So I became a Christian when I was about 13, um, converted, and then was mostly in, like, secretly Baptist, non-denominational megachurches. It's true. They're all secretly Baptist. They're all secretly Baptist. And, um... Even if they don't know it. (laughs) Like, we're not, like, we're not about denominational minds. We're just, like, we're just Christians. I'm just like, okay. Yeah. Um, and then I got involved with RUF, which is Reformed University Fellowship, college ministry of the presbyterian church in america or the pca which is um most popularly known as tim keller's denomination (laughs) um in college and that was the church i went to ruf i went to a pca church that was the community i was a part of and Mm -hmm. um and part of that is also um the hymns that's actually where my love of hymns um really developed is our community was a people group of people who took old hymn texts and put them to music and um there's a a record label called indelible grace which is all these compilations of you know dozens of different artists you have sandra mccracken you have you know Derek webb you have guys from jars of clay and all sorts of other musicians my friend katie hudson or she goes by katie bowser um for our artist name all um musicians who are part of this uh, modern hymn movement. Mm-hmm. So that is the community that was I was a part of for, and I'm still in many ways part of. Um, I'm just a little bit uh, on the outside of the inside. Yeah, I am now. So, um, but this project would not be if if I had not been a part of RUF mm-hmm. and. Um, in the PCA and in many ways like it like I was given this this soil I was you know put in a potted I was a potted plant Mm -hmm. and um, I kind of have grown too big to stay in that potted plant anymore Mm -hmm. I've had to be replanted but um, I'm still carrying the nutrients and the soil that was given to me at that time um, to get me to this place so uh, Mm It's in it's in the fiber of my being, like a tree that you can see the rings. Each ring is a year, and I carry all of that with me. 
So that's, uh, is that a sufficient introduction to who I am? (laughs) I mean, people who know me from Twitter know I like to talk about pop culture and art and theology and race and gender and sexuality and all those things, and I wear a lot of hats. Um, And this, today, on this podcast, I'm wearing my musician artist hat. It's a nice looking hat. Thanks. The last time I was here, I was wearing my filmmaker hat. But the filmmaker hat and the um, theo- theologian hat. I'm always hat. wearing a theologian hat, but I yeah. guess... Is that more of like the, just your cap? Like, that's just more like your hair. <laughs> Theological hair. Glory is in her hair. Yo, listen, cover it up. <laughs> that's what the Bible says. Okay, I do have specific cues about the liturgy for the perseverance of the saints. Yeah. Which also, really great title. Thank I you. I thought... Um, Workshopped that a lot, you know? (laughs) As I was, okay, so as I was listening to it, um, I actually, I really didn't know what to expect going in. Because, like, I know, like, your tastes are super diverse um, and all over the place. Um, I didn't expect for it to be as stripped down as it was. It's super bare, but I think that adds to pointing pointing people to the actual content of of the lyrics. Um, Also, your voice sounds really fantastic on it. Like technique, Thanks. technique wise, I'm just like, ooh, getting right up in there. I tried, <laughs> tried real hard. <laughs> no, you, you did. It was brilliant. And then on top of that, like right after the first track, which is "All Creatures of Our God and Kings," you start reading scripture, and that was really surprising for me because, like, I'm like in my headphones working on other things, and then I hear you going into scripture, and I was a little confused at first because it just it just was really unexpected. But like the way that you've shaped it and framed it throughout. Um, these kind of like little interludes between yeah. songs. It really, really does it well. Like it really, I think, brings people, at least brought me into this space of like, oh, like this is the word liturgy. We're not just saying that it's, yeah. we're just not saying this is liturgy, but this is really like an actual liturgy. Yes. Yeah. And that's something that I've been getting into more in the last few years is writing like service, like writing liturgies. So, um, This album comes out of the fact that I, you know, me and a lot of my friends, a lot of people like me, people of color, queer people, they uh, have not been able to return to their churches Mm -hmm. in the last couple of years. And I know that all of us are kind of sitting (laughs) in our rooms by ourselves listening to worship music. (laughs) (laughs) Secretly. Secretly, because we just miss it. And we want to worship God. We want to be there. And, um, And for me, what that looked like was me just picking up whatever instrument was in the room and playing the songs that I wanted to sing. Um, and so it's it's coming out of this place where, you know, there's something missing, there's a gap and an attempt mm-hmm. to, to hold myself over until, you know, we can return, mm-hmm. return home. Yeah. Um, there's so many people, and like we were just talking about this morning, um, about how so many folks when we get kicked out or turned away or just have to leave our churches for mental health, spiritual health, emotional health reasons that so many of so much of Christian music, um, hymns, contemporary worship, whatever it is, whatever it is, it carries so much pain with it because we don't, we associate it with those moments where we were rejected when these songs were meant for like deep connection and communion. And it's something that I, I wrestle with, especially as someone who like still leads worship yeah. And still actually really loves a lot of the songs that Same. 
Same girl, same. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, yeah. I made a whole album. You did? Oh, my God. That's so weird. Um, yeah, I um, I think about that a lot, especially that's kind of my ethos going into this project was realizing that um, worship, that scripture could be life-giving. It didn't have to be a sword. It could be a plowshare. <sighs> and that's so, good. Shit. And... Um, and a lot of times, the difference is who wields it, mm. right? Yes. Like, when I read a passage of scripture, it means something different than when, like, a straight white man reads it. And um, my friend Rachel Hester, who you also know, we, we've talked about this a lot, about our deep love for scripture, our deep love for worship, and how it changes. Like, it comes alive in new ways when, when different people are the readers or the bringers. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I was involved with Bridge Builders, which is an LGBTQ group at Belmont University, mm-hmm. bridging faith and sexuality. Wow. Yeah. Great I know. plug. I know. And we had a conversation, one, about the process of reclamation, mm. especially with words, slurs like queer or like for the black community and word, um, things like that. And what made, what like, what is, how does reclamation happen? Mm-hmm. Right. And part of it, I talked about the context of, of embodiment and and how all of that changed the way something is received. Mm-hmm. So the example I always use is, you know, someone can say to you, you like Brandy Carlisle? You're such a dyke. Someone could also say, oh, my gosh, you love Brandy Carlisle? You're such a dyke. <laughs> same sentence, same words, totally different meaning. Right. And, it, and who's saying it matters, right, and knowing what their intention, their will, their mm-hmm. hope. It changes the way that the same words mean. And I think that that's true of worship music, too, is when we associate these songs only with our oppressors, with the people who've hurt us, that we know what their intentions are when they say, my God is mighty to save. Mm -hmm. When they say, my God is mighty to save, they mean, my God is mighty to save you from your sexuality Mm -hmm. and turn you straight. But when I, a queer Asian woman, say, my God is mighty to save, I'm saying, my God is on the side of the oppressed. And even though I have no power in this world, Mm -hmm. God is with me and I have that power. And it means something totally different. Yeah, I remember the first time that happened for me was actually with the song You Make Me Brave by Bethel, which I know everyone has like all their opinions about Bethel. (laughs) I mean, I know I have my own opinions about Bethel, but the the first time I heard that song was like right around the time when I started questioning all of my my stuff around like sexuality and gender and all that stuff. And I remember I'm in this youth group service that I'm helping lead. And I hear the, the, the bridge, which is, you make me brave. Um, you call me out beyond the shore to the waves. You make me brave. No fear can hinder now the promises you've made. And, like, I had this sense. I knew yes. God was leading me out, and I was just, like, brave. I'm, ca- I'm being called to be brave right now because I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but I can't do the yes. thing. So, like, when, like, you know, again, a straight worship pastor um, is singing, you make me brave, like, he could be... You make me brave to confront gay people or you for me... saying unpolitically unpolit- incorrect things. <laughs> yeah, you make me brave <laughs> To for... admit that I'm a Trump supporter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But when I sing, when a, or when a queer person sings, yeah. like me as a, you know, genderqueer, mixed race individual, say, you make me brave, like... Like I think about like going out in public and wearing a lip color or yeah. like, having my nails painted and yep. being visibly queer. Yep. Um, like Brave that. to wear a dress in public. Yeah, we're working on it. We're okay. working on it. Yeah, I think that like, ah, uh, it's it. It means so. 
so many more things. Or even like the, the, the chorus of that song where we say champion of heaven, you've made a way for all to enter in. That's right. That's a whole nother thing. That's right. Like how could you, like I, when I sing that or when I even hear that, I am saying, I'm like, yeah. listen, all means all, honey. Yeah. That's something. Oh, that's also something that my super homophobic pastor used to say. Y'all means just, all. No, all means all. But it's funny because it's actually a Southern organizing term. Y'all means all. Mm-hmm. I've heard it. Which I so love. Y'all means all. I know. I love that too. Um, but, but yeah, one of my one of the my favorite songs on this record is. Are you familiar with the hymn "Praise to the Lord the Almighty"? The it's the last it's the last song on the record. I actually wasn't. It wasn't until that wedding we went to that right. I, I heard it for the first time. I loved it. I thought it was delightful. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's mostly sung in, like, Presbyterian and Lutheran churches, I think. Because it's from um, this guy named um, Joseph Neander, mm-hmm. who lived in, like, Germanic whatever, mm-hmm. I think in, like, the 16th or 17th century. And, um, you know, we, we would sing that hymn all the time in our UF and mm-hmm. at my church, and I loved it, you know. And, um, you know, I was listening to Sarah Groves's hymn album that she just came out with mm-hmm. this past year, and she does a version of Praise the Lord the Almighty, which is pretty, like, standard. Like, it's not uh, out of the usual interpretation of that song. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me how much I love that song. Yeah. And um, so I started researching, reading up on Mr. Joseph Neander. Say more. Yeah. So he, his story is that he uh, was like a professor. He was a pastor. He taught at this, you know, like church school. But then he got into a theological argument <laughs> with the people at school. <laughs> and well, so, I've never done that before. <laughs> never done and that. And so he decided to go and live out in like the mountains because he didn't want to be in the town with the people who he had all these he's theological like, arguments. He's like, F this. I'm going to the mountains. Like, yes. I don't want to be around you. Yes. And so he stayed in this valley, you know, blah, blah, blah. A lot of his hymn writing has lots of nature imagery because he was out in nature right so like the praise of the lord the almighty has lots of nature lines Mm -hmm. in it and um and so this is like a fun fact this is uh is that uh the place that he lived they called the neander valley Mm -hmm. and it was actually where they found the neanderthal (gasps) and so that's why it's named the neanderthals because of joseph neander interesting yes but, um, but yeah, so he's separated from the church, from the community, but he still wants to worship God, and he's writing all these hymns and using all this nature imagery. And the last few lines of the, the album, of this, which is this song, is, mm-hmm. um, Let the amen sound from his people again. Gladly for I, we adore him. And um, I have a psalm that I read right before that track, mm-hmm. Um, where there's a line that really resonates and sticks out with me from David that says, you know, I used to go and worship with a multitude to celebrate the pilgrim feast. And, you know, David has so many adventures mm-hmm. in the Old Testament, but a lot of those adventures were him wandering in the wilderness because he's being persecuted by, mm-hmm. by his enemies. Yeah, and basically and, just like running for his life. Exactly. Running for his life, he was not able to go and worship in the house of the Lord, and he missed it a lot. And then you have all these lines like, oh, I longed to be back with the multitude, worshiping with the community. I, that's how I feel all the time now. And, um, and that longing, like, let the amen sound from God's mm-hmm. people again. Yeah. Gladly, for I, we adore him. Like, all of these threads, right? Like Joseph Neander... 
in like Bavaria, Germany, whatever, like in like the 1600s, Suan Shah here right now, 2018, David, Old Testament, thousands of years ago, like, you know, we are part of a, a great cloud of witnesses. We are part of a, a tapestry of faith of people who have been going through the things that we are going through right now. We are not alone. Mm-hmm. And God brought those people through the wilderness and God is going to continue being with us as we go through the wilderness. And remembering that gives me strength. It makes me brave. Yeah. I think there's so much to be said about like holding on to, um, holding on to music from the traditions that we come from. Um, whether that is like, you know, contemporary Christian worship music or whether that is hymns, um, you know, acknowledging that, you know, in some of the hymns that some of us love have like problematic theologies. <laughs> I mean, depending on, depending on like, I mean, it depends on interpretation too. Cause yeah. a lot of stuff's very poetic and it can be interpreted in a multiple, in multiple ways. Mm-hmm. So. Agreed. Um, and I also, what, what is the thought I'm trying to form right now? I think there's something just to be said, like we were, again, we were talking about earlier how so many people leave, uh, spiritual communities leave worship music behind in any capacity um, and you know with good reason and then there's folks like you and I who really love it and the reason the reason we still do it is because like we shouldn't like I don't want to give up the thing that I love Yeah. I don't want to give up the thing that gives me life I don't want to make the uh, give up the thing that has made me feel connected and has led to some really powerful moments of healing because I think where so many queer folks and so many like ex-evangelicals or mm-hmm. um you know post-christian individuals will hear a worship song and they're transported back to these places of pain i think it really does like it's like you said at the beginning it does come from who is saying it who is leading it yeah. who is bringing um who is bringing the gifts um into the house who's bringing their spiritual gifts yeah their spiritual gifts their spiritual gifts is that <laughs> please tell me that's like just like make our spiritual gifts that's what you need to put in my twitter bio i'm out of characters i have too many things <sighs> in my twitter bio i know i was thinking about taking out slytherin <laughs> but then i'm just like do people really need to know about that about me that's up to you mm-hmm. um but yeah that's um because i don't it's like the church in general like so yes. many so many evangelicals or like conservative individuals would rather me leave would rather me like go it's easier it's easier for them if you are no longer a christian because then they don't have to live with the cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. right of a queer person who loves jesus so much and is willing to follow follow him with my life and become a pastor yeah um so one of my favorite hymns which is not on this album and i don't remember why is called Be Thou My Vision. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it might have been in copyright still. I don't know. Actually, maybe it's not. I just don't remember why I decided to not do it. But there is a lot. There's multiple verses. And, like, there's lots of different versions of the song. Mm-hmm. And people choose what verses they want to do or not. But um, I like the Aaron Copeland version, personally. <laughs> I love you, Aaron Copeland. Because you love Aaron Copeland. He's so good. He's very good. Very good. Um, there's a line that's like, uh, gosh... Maybe we need to look it up so that I can sure. read it exactly. Pause for the cause. Oh, praise him. Uh, be thou my vision lyrics on my computer. I got it too. Um, all right. Are you unpaused or are you still No, it's recording? still going. Okay. So. 
through. Okay, so it's the second verse. Be thou my wisdom, and thou my true word. I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great father, I thy true son. Thou in me dwelling, and I with thee one. So I love this hymn. And my pastor, our youth minister, he's um, a pretty renowned hymnologist in our community. And you can such. be a hymnologist? That's a thing? <laughs> I mean, he does, that's like, it's not like he makes a real living off of it, but he is a hymnologist. And wow. we were talking about how at Calvin College, they don't sing that verse anymore. I don't know if this is true. This, is, this might be an unsubstantiated story, but the, what's important is what Kevin told me. He's like, oh, yeah, they didn't want to say, I, thy true son, because they want to avoid using the masculine, right, mm-hmm. and stuff. And Kevin's like, but that's missing the point because the beauty is with the gospel is that women can become sons and have the full rights of heirs because yeah. historically women, they don't receive any inheritance. They have no rights. They are shipped off to another. They're sold basically to another family. But, um, and so he's like part of the, part of the process of Christianity. Like, I don't think he would have used the term gender bender, but this is what mm-hmm. the term, I mean, part of the gender bender of Christianity is that um, women have to learn what it means to be sons, mm-hmm. right? And men have to learn what it means to be a bride. Ugh. Because they have yes. to be married, because they're going to marry Christ. And I think, and he talked about how it's an important spiritual maturation process for each to learn what is typically considered, you know, a, a different gendered experience. Mm-hmm. And um, and I thought about that a lot. I thought about, you know, this is a, the man who taught me this, Suyan, like, you know, you get to have the full rights of a son and so when i sing a line like that Mm -hmm. i'm like i come you know you're telling the queer the queer asian woman the convert right who has no standing in american western christianity no reason to be um, to have authority or Mm -hmm. power that she has the right to interpret to engage to lead that she should approach the throne of god boldly as a son hmm. and how can that you know he on one hand teach me to approach the throne boldly mm-hmm. with the full rights of a son and then you know all of these church leaders be very offended <laughs> when I actually take the entitlement of all the straight and I say I can interpret the Bible too just like these straight white men I can lead worship too I can find meaning in these words mm-hmm. um, and I think that that's that's the double-edged sword is that Mm -hmm. the community that i am marginalized within was actually was actually the people who armed me Mm -hmm. with the tools i needed to approach the throne boldly that is i relate to that a lot um i remember when i first started questioning all these things and my first pastor um who when i first started questioning these things he would say kevin i don't care what you believe i just care that you understand why you believe what you do and then when I finally did my own research and started, yeah. like, thinking more outside of uh, cis-heteronormativity, um, I finally did understand why I did. And so, like, I'm just like, you gave me these tools. You gave me, like, the the hermeneutical tools to look at these scriptures, to look at the world, and to look at myself and, like, draw a conclusion that resonated deeply within me. Um the problem is they preached the gospel to us, <laughs> and we believed it. <laughs> we believed yeah. it. Yeah. We really believed it. I built my life on the promises of God. Mm-hmm. Standing on the promises of God, my king. 
Like uh, my, all other, all other ground is sinking sand. Mm. Like yeah. this is, this is who I am. <laughs> On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, so that's uh, the power. That, that's the power of when you pass the mic. Yeah, and that's also like so. Incredible to me is just like, yeah, the, the problem is not that we don't believe the Bible, it's that we believe the Bible explicitly. Yes. And I think that it's interesting because people talk a lot about diversity. They talk a lot about, you know, oh, we need to have different voices, you know, because they're going to say different things. And I think that while that is true, that I do have different perspectives and I can see the Bible differently um, and, and find new things that maybe other people never could have drawn out, I, I also think just being is mm-hmm. important too and that I could go up and say the same thing and I could read this I could sing the same song I don't have to change any of the words mm-hmm. I could read the same passage same like you know KJV mm-hmm. translation and it'll mean something different yeah. and that by nature of the embodiment that I have I bring something new I mm-hmm. don't have to have a I don't need to tokenize my my interpretation like people are like oh we need diverse voices because they bring different perspectives and I say, I don't even, like, it's not even about different perspectives. Like, I can just read the same piece of scripture, and it'll mean something completely different. Mm-hmm. And that's even more terrifying, because it's not tokenizing. Yeah. And I think also, like, in the same way of, um, something I noticed in your album itself is that um, you use the traditional, like, he, him. Like, yeah, I'm referring I didn't to, change any, any yeah. gender stuff. And I loved that, because I think, I all, I'm, I'm big on composer intent. And so when I'm thinking about what, keep talking, keep talking. Um, I'm because I, like that's something from like my choral, choral yeah. training days yeah. when we would think about it's like what was the composer trying to do, trying to say, in his time, in his context, um, and then additionally like you know what does it mean for us as modern people to be singing basically something that's a museum piece, in a choral setting, right? And right. so um, when I'm when I'm working with songs, even modern songs that use. Like male gendered language when referring to God, I I feel a little weird about changing the lyrics, because this person who was creating this beautiful song had a very specific yeah um thing in mind. So like and and for me, I think it's the same way. It's like I, um, as someone who like um did not have a great relationship with my father, to be to sing songs yeah and to refer to God as my father is really powerful and healing for me. Yes. Um, and I know that's not the case for everyone. Right. Um, but again, like, and you know, not everyone has to do the same thing I do, but I think it's, it goes back to that thing of who it, it's not like I'm saying anything different. I'm saying the same thing, but because but it's it means me, something different because I'm saying it right. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think a lot about how, about tox- how toxic masculinity in the patriarchy has corrupted our communities and our culture and our world. And I think that something people don't talk about enough is healthy masculinity mm-hmm. and what that can look like. It's not that men are inherently evil. It's a, it's a corruption of what can be good. And I think that, um, that God often presents, that Jesus in particular presents a healthy masculinity. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, the way to supplement that is not to just like throw out masculinity, but to, to find healthy ways of expression. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that looks like to me you know, keeping all these very tender, like, masculine usages mm-hmm. in, in in worship or in scripture. 
Um, I also, so for instance, um, I told you I've been writing a lot of liturgies um, in the last couple years. Um, and one was we, I got involved with the sanctuary church movement. Are you familiar with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, something we would do is every month we would uh, have a, a prayer vigil outside of the ICE office in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And um, we would schedule at the same time that people were going in for check-ins. So we would offer to pray for people if they wanted prayer. We would, you know, hand out resources and, and things like that. And um, and so we wrote the first the first Wednesday we ever did this happened to be Ash Wednesday. Hmm. And so, you know, we wrote the liturgy to be an Ash Wednesday liturgy as well as just our, like, rah, 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 you know, abolish ice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Um, and so I wanted to do the song that's on this record, which is This Is My Father's World. Mm-hmm. And my friend Lauren and I were talking. She's like, it sh- we should really change it to, like, neutral or, like, mother or something. And I was like, no, I want to keep it because I want a remind to remind the patriarchy that there are men that are subverting mm-hmm. them. And that in a patriarchal world where... Um, where men are in power, that there was a man who laid himself down mm-hmm. and sacrificed and did everything that mass toxic masculinity told you you don't do, mm-hmm. right? And to me, that's more powerful. Yeah, to, it's because it's a subversion of mm-hmm. the expectation. And I, you know, and I use the term kingdom still. Mm. I know a lot of my a lot of people use kingdom, and I also love the term kingdom. But to me, I use the term kingdom because it's a reminder that. Um, that God's kingdom is exclusive. It does not, con- it does not work in parallel with earthly kingdoms, mm. and that the kingdom of God will demolish and abolish mm. every prince, principality, and kingdom that exists. And so, worshiping God and seeking the kingdom of God is for the inherent destruction of earthly powers. Mm. And so, that's why I sing kingdom because it, it is a threat. It is a hey, we're here. We're queer. You're going down. <laughs> like, so um, <laughs> so that's I, what I think of when I sing kingdom is, yeah. is, a, is of a just king and a kingdom that is in, it's going to threaten. It is in direct opposition mm-hmm. to existing political power. You can't, you can't worship God and money, and you, you, know, you have to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. But, like part of the political nature of the gospel that we have lost in our 2,000 years, fast forward, is that the reason they crucified Jesus was because his his gospel was a threat to the Roman Empire. It's a direct threat to an empire that says Caesar is God. Mm -hmm. Right? It's it's not there's no separation of church and state in this world. The God is the ruler and Mm -hmm. the kingdom is his domain. And so when we say Christ is king and Christ and is, Christ is Lord, Christ is Lord, and this is His domain, and that it's Jesus saying, was the Son of God, it's it's saying, it's saying to to Caesar, you're going down. So um, I kind of I kind of like that timely. I kind of like that world. I don't want to say worldliness because it sounds wrong to say, but worldliness. but I I think that it, it it says that these aren't abstract ideas, kingdom. Mm-hmm kingdom these aren't abstract ideas these are people who live in governments and bodies now who have to live under oppressive regime regimes mm-hmm. and god says something to those regimes mm-hmm. something real 
And that it is, you have... It's not metaphorically in danger. It is literally in danger. Mm-hmm. So, maybe that's just the Christian anarchist in me. Just, you know, casual. Casual Christian anarchy. Maybe that's the title of this episode. Or maybe we'll just call it here. You can call it whatever you want. You're right, because I always do what I want, Suzanne. I know. So it gets me into trouble. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, try, I think what I, did you want to talk about next? I think I've had one more question. Yeah. Of the songs on this album, what is your favorite? I kind of already talked about that. <laughs> Which one? I said praise to the Lord the Almighty. Oh, that is true. What's your least favorite song then? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'll tell you my favorite one. Okay. I loved Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus because it takes me back to being like nine years old and getting baptized. And that's something we sang on the Sunday I got baptized. Aww. On July 4th, 1999. Wow. I know. Such an American. I feel like Jarrell was also like baptized around July 4th. Was... Like when he told that story at TRP. <laughs> Jarrell, if you're listening, um, tweet at us. Yeah. Um, let us know. Let us know. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full and at his, his wonderful, wonderful face. And, and the things, things of this earth will go strangely, strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Strangely dim. Strangely like, dim. In a way that, and like, I think, like, I remember, like, even at nine years old thinking of just like, yeah, like in comparison to Jesus, like everything else is like, I I, use, I can still see it, but it just looks differently now. Yeah. And I think even as I've grown up, like those words have so permeated every single bit of it, especially like coming into myself as a, as a queer person, um, learning more about uh, intersectional justice and how to be an ally for people in marginalized communities that I'm not a part of. Like as I turn my eyes upon Jesus, as I look um, towards what the gospel is really asking of me. Mm-hmm. All these things of the world that I thought that I wanted are are still there and they're kind of tempting, but they're just like, they have like this dimness about them yeah. that, that, that yeah. pales in comparison to what I could have in following Jesus. I mean, that's, that's how I got, that's how I survived like coming out, right? Mm. Is through all of that, the only thing that I had, because I felt that everything I thought I knew about myself I knew about everyone else was falling apart. But the one thing that was constant, that was unchanging, was Jesus. And when I felt like, you know, sinking sand all around, mm-hmm. I could hold to God. And, um, and, and when my queerness has threatened every other thing in my life held, I held dear, all the things I cared about were in threat. Like, you can have all this world, but mm-hmm. give me Jesus. I don't care if I leave this earth with nothing else. You are not going to take Jesus from me. Mm-hmm. And and that these songs, they're just they're they're what came to me as I walked through my life. Like, you know, I, I didn't. A lot of these songs we didn't sing in church. They just kind of would come to me as I was going through my life and through these mm-hmm. trials and tribulations. Like those, just give turn your eyes upon Jesus, Suzanne. Um, there's a song that my friend Melissa and Joel Littlepage. Uh, old hymn they put to new music I really love called um, Hast Thou Seen Hast Thou Heard Him Seen Him Known Him That's so. a really long title <laughs> As with hymns you generally choose the first line of the, mm-hmm. <laughs> of the hymn as the title but it goes Hast Thou Heard Him Seen Him Known Him Is Not Thine A Captured Heart And mm. it's like in the chorus goes um, Captivated by His Beauty Worthy tribute haste to bring. Let his peerless worth 
constrain thee, crown him now unrivaled king. And the song mm. is about how it's not that like we overcome sin because we like white knuckle through it. It's because righteousness and Jesus become so beautiful to us mm-hmm. that it pushes out all the other loves in our hearts. So the, the the sermon or the book that I'm referencing is called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. And it's about, uh, it's by Thomas Chalmers. And um, it's a, it's Chalmers states, it is seldom that any of our tastes are made to disappear by a mere process of natural extinction. The heart must have something to cling to. The Christian life is not about being free from sin. It's about free to abundant life. Yeah. And I think that that's the problem a lot of the time is that we can see the brokenness of the world. We can see the sin. We can see the racism, the patriarchy. But we need to – we can't just leave that behind. We have to be free to something, free to liberation, mm-hmm. free to joy, free to beloved community, right? Mm-hmm. So um, – and I think that, you know, I'm, I'm really, like, showing how reformed I am, but – um, Tim Keller, <laughs> he says, um, it's not a question of if you worship, but what you worship. Yeah. And so um, it's important that the object of our worship um, be right, not yeah. so much the way necessarily sometimes because mm-hmm. it will self-correct eventually if w- what you actually worship mm-hmm. is good. And I think what's been so hard for me is real is thinking that me and my Communities, my my peers were worshiping the same God, but uh, at the end, it really turned out that they were worshiping white Jesus in American Christianity. Mm. Kind of showed their true colors. I see your true colors shining through, and that's why I need to get away from you. That's the alternate version. <laughs> in the morning, when I rise. In the morning, when I rise. conversation with my friend Sue Ann Shaw. You can connect with Sue Ann Shaw across social media at Sue Ann Shaw, which is S-U-E-A-N-N-S-H-I-A-H, and on her website, SueAnnShaw.com. You can pick up the album, A Liturgy for the Perseverance of Saints, everywhere you listen or stream your music. It's going to be on Apple, it's going to be on iTunes, it's going to be on Google Play, it's going to be on Spotify, it's going to be all the places. Go get it, go listen to it, go send her a tip, send her some money for her work because she deserves it. You know it's true. Everything I do, I do it for you, Sue Ann. <laughs> Anyways, um, thanks so much for listening. And also, tune in later this week for a bonus episode. I'm all about the bonuses right now. I'm all for it. Um, but we're gonna, me and Sue Ann are actually going to have a little bit of a sing-along. Um, so, so yeah, tune in for that. Share this episode with your friends. Download the album. Sue Ann, thanks for being on the show. I love you, girl. 
This podcast is supported by 108 amazing humans on Patreon. You don't know what Patreon is? Do you live in Iraq? Do you even podcast, honey? It's okay if you don't. It's okay if this is your first time. So let me give you a little bit of a rundown. Patreon is a really amazing way for you to support creatives in your life who are making content for free. So technically speaking, yes, this podcast is for free. The blog is for free. The YouTube videos that I make about being queer and Christian are for free. However, you know it's not free? My bills, bills, bills. Can you pay my telephone bills? Can you pay my automobiles? You know what I'm saying? So if you want to support creatives like me and support creating more queer Christian content, uh, I'd love for you to become a sustaining partner through Patreon. All you got to do is go to patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia, learn about the awesome perks and help make this work more sustainable. I've been getting so many messages from people recently people saying that this is uh, doing some really good work for them. I had a comment on my Instagram recently uh, from a guy in, I can't remember where he said he was from, but he's 56 years old and he's just now stepping into his full identity. And that to me is just so empowering and beautiful and lovely. And I just want to make more opportunities like that possible for people across the world. So if you think moments like that are important, I would love for you go to patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia, become a sustaining partner today, and let's make more content like this possible okay um i think that's all for me tune in later this week for some more bonus content um subscribe share this with your friends if you have a comment or you ever want to get in contact with me easiest way to do that is honestly through like twitter and social media i'm at the kevin garcia across most social media you can find me i'm probably the first one that's going to pop up and then additionally um if you ever just want to write me a little note you can go to thekevingarcia.com slash say hey and drop me a line real quick. Um, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what's going on in your life. Um, it may take me a while to get back to you. This season's really busy as I'm heading into Wild Goose Festival season, but I will get back to you. And I love hearing from people and how the show is affecting them. So go to thekevingarcia.com slash say hey and drop me a line. I'll get back to you, okay? Um, I think that's all for me. I'll see you at the Wild Goose Festival in just a couple weeks. Um, I'm moving in two weeks again. So please keep me in your prayers. This should be the last move for three years in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Um, I love you. You're wonderful. You're beautiful. You look like Linda Evangelista. Um, go see your therapist. Drink some water. Make a smoothie. Something with like almond butter and, and almond milk. All of the almonds. I'm really into almonds these days. <laughs> um, go on a walk. Go lay by the pool if you can. Make sure you wear sunscreen. I have to wear SPF 50 because I am pale and pasty thanks to the colonizer's blood from my mother's side. It's horrible, but we're going to survive as long as we know how to love. I know we'll stay alive. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, <laughs> I'm done talking. This has been another episode of A Tiny Revolution. My name is Kevin Garcia. I love you so much, and I will talk to you soon, BB. Have a good week. Bye.